Welcome to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, a foster and adoptive and bio mama and a therapist in private practice. I'm here to help foster mamas feel seen, heard, and supported on their journey. From quick, actionable steps to make your foster care journey easier to interviews with foster and adoptive mamas, the Fearless Fostering Podcast delivers education and encouragement weekly. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW. And today I'm so excited to have Rodney Moore on the podcast. He is a foster parent and he is going to be sharing about a very kind of unique situation in foster care that we haven't shared about a lot on the podcast. So Rodney, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Kathleen. Absolutely. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your family right now and just what your foster care situation is looking like these days? Uh, Sure. Uh, My wife and I, we have two biological children, Um, my five-year-old daughter, uh, Nina, and my 10-year-old son, Roman. Um, And we just recently became, well, I recently became a kinship foster parent to my wife's niece. So she is biologically related to our foster child. However, I am not. Therefore, it makes me a kinship um, foster parent. Okay, great. And what what was that like when you guys realized, okay, there's a child who is, you know, in our family who needs care? Was that something you had ever talked about before? Was it a complete surprise? How did you guys handle that? We knew the, the circumstances. We knew that this was going to come about. We just didn't know we were going to be resources for this child. That came like literally last minute, you know, um, and, and being that I work in the field, you know, I had to kind of really sit down with my wife and kind of explain that process to her because those that don't work in our field don't really, aren't really familiar of what that process looks like and, and what kind of goes with that and comes along with it. Um, so I had to really kind of make that decision. I'm, you know, we had to make it, to, you know, together, obviously, but we had to make that decision that, okay, this is what we want to do. This is what we're going to do for this child. And But I also had to consider like my children too, which was like, I think the most challenging part for me. Mm. So tell us a little bit about what you do professionally, just to kind of give the backdrop of having that conversation with your wife and and what that looks like for you guys. Sure. So I'm a social work supervisor um, for the Connecticut Department of Children and Families. So I work for a child welfare agency and I work on the other side of the fostering world. Working for this agency, I'm responsible for making sure that kids are safe and they're well. And if they're not, unfortunately, they ended up coming into the department's care. And that's when we seek out either relative kinship or core foster homes. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been doing that work? Going on seven years now. Well, God bless you. Seriously, (laughs) like it's not... I'm sure not easy. How do you see what you see and handle that? And then, and then at the end of the day, be like to your wife, Hey, like maybe we should do this also. Growing up, I grew up in a, I guess what you can call a foster home. You know, I grew up with my mom and I grew up with my grandmother, but my grandmother was a long time foster parent, um, an adoptive parent. And so, you know, I saw tons and tons of children coming in and out of our house, um, which kind of led me into this field. Um, So I have a true passion for the work that we do, but I also understood how important when children do come into, you know, the system, how important these placements are for these kids. 
because they're already going through a traumatic experience by being their home environment is now changing. They're not with their parents anymore. So that's traumatic enough. And, and to go into a new environment, that's one welcoming Two, we want to ensure that they have the kids best interests at heart and, and willing to kind of partner with their parents or their relatives to make sure that we can try to get them back home. But if not, try to find a long-term placement for them. I understand from that perspective, you know, how important it is to, to, to secure a placement for a child. And so that was part of the conversation that I had to have with my wife. Like, hey, listen, man, like if we're going to do this, we have to really be committed to it. We also have to understand there's rules that we have to follow. You know, it's not like we can just do whatever we want, like like we do with our children. There's, there's guidelines that we have to follow as foster parents and, and just explaining that to her, which has been challenging, right, for us because we're so used to just kind of moving how we want to move but we can't, unfortunately. But, you know, it, it, it still has been a blessing having having her in our home. You know, she came to us as soon as she was discharged from the hospital. She was only five days old. So, And how long has she been with you now? Uh, going on three months now. Wow. You guys getting any sleep at all? <laughs> oh, God, no. God, I'm tired now. <laughs> uh, I know. I know. Thanks for doing a late night podcast interview. Oh, this is the right. only time I had available. For, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That makes sense with your work and everything else. Gosh, wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. how are things with your kids, your bio kids? You said you were a little bit nervous. I know this is a concern that lots of foster parents have before they bring a new child into the home, right? Like it's a thing that we think about a lot. We obviously, we should think about it, but how has it been going for you guys as a family unit? I'm happy to say that it's going extremely well. I, I think the, and my initial thought process was like, oh my God, like I don't want my kids to think that the attention that I give them is now being taken away and given to someone else. I don't want them to feel like they're less, you know, important because we have a new baby. So I kind of sat down with my son being that he was a little older. He understood what I did for work. And so I introduced the idea to him and he, you know, and also let him know that the child that was coming into our home is someone he was actually related to, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, he welcomed it with open arms. He was like, okay, cool. Like now you know, all those kids that you go out late night to make sure that they're doing okay, we can actually make sure that they're okay here in our home. And I was like, wow, like he really gets it, you know? And my five-year-old daughter, she was just like excited. She's like, oh, so that means I'm going to be a big sister, you know? And like Mm -hmm. that, that was, that was very, it it, it made me feel really good. And it put me a little bit more at ease and and it solidified my decision, you know, to go, go through with it. Man, that's amazing. I am always so impressed with kids. You know, we always, I think that's our biggest concern as parents before we start fostering. And then they kind of just blow us away all the time with their like love and their resilience and their open hearts. It's so awesome. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's so great. So tell me if there's been any kind of specific challenges maybe around having like being a kinship foster care placement um, I know you said, obviously, you can't just do things the way you always did them. Now you got to like deal with the department's way of doing things, which you obviously know inside and out. But um, how does yeah. that work in your family? Well, you know, I think it's challenging, right? I'm not going to lie. It, it, it's very challenging um, only because every move that we make, everything that we do, we have to call and get permission. We have to call and make sure that we're letting people know. You know, I don't do that with my kids. I call and my wife knows something, but other than that, like, <laughs> It's nobody else's business, really, you know, Um, but we can't think like that with this with this with our foster child, because, like I said, there's rules that we have to follow. I understand it and I can respect it because, you know, um, our foster foster child, she still has her biological parents. 
um, and they do have a voice and, and we should respect that voice and we should respect their opinions and, and honor those things and making sure they're, they're in the know of what's going on with their child. That part is challenging. The other part that's challenging is not being able to manage the case itself, right? Because I'm, I'm playing a completely different role now. You know, I know what needs to happen. I know how things are supposed to go, which is kind of like a gift and a curse, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't want to over, well, me personally, I don't want to overstep anyone's role. We have a social worker that we deal with. She has a supervisor. They have a supervisor. I don't ever want to step into that role and be like, hey, you need to be doing this or you should be doing that. That's the challenging part for me, right? Because um, I'm so used to playing that role my, on my nine to five. So those are the challenge, the most challenging parts. But what's what's good about it is, you know, I start to see how much like my children care for her. You know, if she makes a sound, they come running like, oh my god, is she okay? That, and I'm like, even in the middle of the night when she's up, when you know, we're feeding her, or she's fussy. My kids will come out of their room two, three o'clock in the morning to check in on her. And I'm like, wow, like this is, this is amazing. This is truly amazing. And every day it's a blessing that she's able to stay in our home. Yeah. It is such a family calling. I really think that it's like, how could it not be? It does. It affects the whole family and the whole family rises to the challenges and also like receives the blessings, like you said, of having this new child in your, in your care. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know really quickly about some amazing free resources for foster mamas on my website, fearlessfostering.com. I have a self-care quiz that will help you decide exactly what type of self-care you need at this point on your foster care journey, as well as a virtual retreat for foster mamas and an anxiety reducing email course, all for free. Check it out right now on fearlessfostering.com. Do you guys have any indication of like long-term is this going to be like a long thing or a short thing or do you just not even know uh we don't know right now you know we know that the department's goal is reunification with their parent with her parents Mm -hmm. um and if things don't work out we've made it very clear that we're willing to adopt her personally i would love for her to stay with us forever right Mm -hmm. professionally i know that's me being selfish right um however i also understand that you know, parents need some time to kind of get the help that they need to be good parents mm-hmm. or, you know, um, and, 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 and I'm here to support that. I'm here to support that for both of their parents, if they're able to ever to get in a position to have their daughter, you know, full time. And if not, I'm here as well to mm-hmm. take on that responsibility long term. Mm. I really appreciate you saying that because that just like hits me as like a adoptive mom who's adopted out of foster care also a mom who's currently fostering like that is exactly it like we want the best the best thing we hope for is reunification but to be able to step up and say hey if that can't happen we of course would be an adaptive resource because this child is a part of our family now and we really consider this child a part of the family so I really love the way that you said that how would you kind of advise families um, who are kind of in that maybe gray area space where they're dealing with, gosh, we don't know what's going to happen. A lot of times what I hear from foster moms is like, I can't handle the unknown. Things change all the time. What advice do you have since you do now experience it personally, but also have dealt with it professionally for foster parents who might be just wondering how to handle that unknownness of foster care? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is you really don't, you'll you'll never have a, a full understanding until you actually truly experience it right for foster parents who 
who take on that that role, which is an amazing role to just take someone in that you're not related to, you have no connection to. But I like any any biological child, you can build a relationship with them. You can actually build a bond. It's almost kind of scary and to, to a degree, right? Because you take in this child and, you know, fortunately for the family, that child may be reunified. Unfortunately for us as foster parents, that child may be reunified if we've, if we've developed a bond and, and the chemistry. And I think with DCF and in the state of Connecticut, you know, we found so much success with kinship placements, right? Because we found also with kinship and, and relative placement, we found that the positive impact of keeping a kid with their family outweighs almost everything. And unfortunately, we don't always have the, that's not always a possibility. But when you think about it, like I know, like because of, because of where I work, I understand the numbers. I understand that we, we have what, 44% of all the kids that we have in care in Connecticut with kin, right? which is higher than a national, you know, average, right? Which is amazing. It's amazing. And it's been a huge push. And knowing that and, and, and the opportunity kind of rising for myself and my family, I'm like, man, we have, to, we have to contribute to this. We have to be a part of this because we know not only is she going to do well and do well, you know, and, and, and develop well here with us because we're, we're, I like to think that we're great parents, right? But she's also with family, mm-hmm. right? And how much more, it, how much more impactful is that to be able to keep her with family, keep her with her culture, keep her mm-hmm. with her, with her parents, you know, morals and, 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 and teach her things and also in, in, include our own, you know, morals and, and, and traditions and stuff like that. It's, it's great. The advice that I would give to other people who are even thinking about this or hesitant about it is listen to one, your podcast and hear us talk about it, right? You can go on the DCF website and gather more information in regards to fostering, um, whether kinship relative or just a core foster parent, you know, being a core foster parent and have these conversations, right? Talk to your families, talk to your spouses, talk to your relatives, get insight. And also to understand, like, even if you can't be a foster parent to a relative, there are ways for you to be supports. There are ways for you to be resources, and just figuring out what works best for you, right? Um, because we all can't be foster parents. We all may not be in a place to, to take on that role and that responsibility, but we may be able to take on other roles and, other, and be, other, you know, be other forms of support to that, to that child. And I think those are things that you should really, really think about and consider it, right? And really, and really consider it. Absolutely. I love that. It's like, there is this problem of kids needing a home in our state, in the country. And it's like, what can we do if we're not going to be a foster parent? That's okay. But like, Mm -hmm. there's other stuff we can do to come around and support communities, support vulnerable populations and historically underserved Mm -hmm. populations that really need us to advocate for them and step up for them and just come alongside them in, in this time and foster families as well. So, yeah. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to ask you something, and I, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but just okay. because you are, you're the supervisor, you like know the drill, <laughs> you're like the big man up at the uh, DCF office. So what would you say is like something that you're like, when, when I hear this, like, what's a pet peeve of yours of like, oh gosh, like, is this serious right now? Like, it, or it happens a lot and you're just like, oh man, this is not my, this is not a fun thing that I like <laughs> want to deal with right are now. You- 
so in 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 regards to like fostering or, or yeah in regards to like just, yeah anything at all about you like your job they're like oh no come on <laughs> so you know interesting I mean I, I'm a pretty outgoing person you know I'm I, I try to be as positive as I possibly can, you know, but when we're dealing with people, you know, you're going to get a wide range of personalities and characteristics. So I, I, you know, I do respect and appreciate, like I said, the role that foster parents take on. Right. Um, I think one of the biggest pet peeves for me as a supervisor from foster parents is this idea that sometimes and not just foster parents, sometimes people can't wrap their heads around that parents deserve a shot. Yes. Right. Parents truly deserve a shot to be parents. They deserve a shot. We all make bad choices. Some of us make worse choices than others. Some of us make choices that lead to our children having to leave our care, but we deserve an opportunity. Everyone deserves an opportunity to, to, to regain that that responsibility. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it hurts me sometimes when I hear, whether it's foster parents or people kind of say like, oh, like, there's no way, there's no way that kid should go back to them. There's no way, there's no way. And there's, you know what, and to be transparent, I've had those moments. I've had those moments, you know, um, where I kind of feel like, oh, there's no way, there's no way. But then you kind of, you get to know people, you understand some of their sicknesses, some of their challenges, some of the the barriers that come along with what we do, and you say, "All right, let's 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 try to get them to a place, you know, where they can do it. And if they can't, okay, mm-hmm. we'll figure out how to make this work. We'll figure out how to keep them connected if it's in the kid's best interest. But yeah. you know, that's a huge pet peeve of mine, right? I'm not giving a parent an opportunity to change their situation or 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 better their situation. Yeah. Oh, that is so true. I was just talking to um, my last week's podcast guest about that. Like there's no parent that we've come in contact with her or I, she's an adoption lawyer and oftentimes adoption out of foster care. And she was like, these parents love their kids. Like they're just not, they're generationally traumatized, most of them. And they have Mm -hmm. generations of abuse and addiction and, and their own family lineage. So to expect them to be able to just like quickly in three to six months, get their life back on track is like not realistic and it's not helpful. So what is a way that we can, as, as bio parents are trying to re- regain the, the right of raising their child? What is, what is something that a foster parent can do um, to help be a support in that? Even if they kind of are in that place of like, gosh, I do hope we can adopt, but also I do hope for reunification. It's that both and space. How can we as foster parents support that? I think it's important for foster parents to really consider building a relationship with the bio parent. Mm -hmm. I think, I I think those icebreakers and and those bonds and those, those connections are necessary. At at least they should try. We should try, right? We should try to connect because there's things depending on the age of the child, obviously, right? There's things that that parent may know about that child that we just don't know. They could share that information, right? Mm-hmm. There's may, there, there may be certain traditions or certain things that that mom or that dad may want to incorporate into that child's life, even though they may not be able to be their caregiver. Mm-hmm. Why not be accepting of that? Why not even take that into consideration, right? I think it's important. You know, I've had, I've had a few families where some of my workers are working with that the kids that are with foster, with foster families Sometimes the parents will make 
meals that tailor to their culture or mm -hmm. teach them or send them recipes on how to cook certain meals from their culture just to keep them feeling like they're having a home cooked meal at home with their mm -hmm. family. I think that's huge. I think it's huge. I think it, what it does is it not only show, it not only makes that parent feel still included in their child's life, right? Um, but it makes that child feel like, all right, well, I'm important enough for my foster mom to still be in contact or to, to be cordial with my bio mom. Mm -hmm. If we think about a lot of our children that grow up in, in single family homes or their parents have split or they're not in a relationship, what child doesn't want their, their, their parents to get along and just be cordial, right? And, and that can be said for both foster parent and bio parent. Mm -hmm. That's huge. That's such an encouragement to me personally, and I hope to everyone listening, because I think it's just something that's always worth fighting for. You know, we, I entered this with the best like starry eyed, like I'm going to be best friends with the bio mom and like she's gonna <laughs> come to church with us. And like, yeah. that did not happen, <laughs> but yeah. like, yeah. we're always going to be connected. You know, like we have the same children, essentially her and mm -hmm. I now, no matter how mm -hmm. long we have our daughter, we, we have a shared son together forever. So to be able right. to look at my children's face someday and say, you know what? She's great. Like she loves you. And I get to hear from her sometimes. Here's some pictures she sent and things like that. I just, that's like something that I think you're right. Just is the best thing for the kids. It's the best thing for the, for the bio parents and for the foster family as well. Right. Right. Yeah. I did wanted to shed some light on when you asked me about like my pet peeves, right? Mm -hmm. Like one of my other pet peeves is this misunderstanding of fathers and father figures right this this idea that we are not or we can't be as good a parent of a parent as a mom can right like we don't I, I i i find it difficult when i hear people you know make statements about dads or they kind of like look past dads right I, and i'll give you an example i'll give you an example as with our foster daughter, we had to take her to an appointment. And um, my wife was getting her out of the car seat. And I was just sitting in the chair. And the nurse, she walked past me and handed my wife some paperwork to fill out. And my wife's like, you can fill it out. I said, yeah, I can fill it out. Like, I, you know, I know all the, I have all the information as well. And it's just examples like that. Like we're kind of just overlooked or kind of brushed to the side. So some of my, you know, another one of my biggest pet peeves of this is this lack of engagement with fathers or father figures, right? Whether it's from a, a foster, foster parents um, perspective or from a, a department's perspective, right? We, 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 we push this, we try to push this movement of fatherhood engagement and whether it's with fathers who are actively involved in their child's lives or they don't have an opportunity to be involved in their child's lives, right? They all deserve an opportunity and they all have a voice and they all share equal rights to their children yeah. as their mothers do. So that's a huge, that's a huge pet peeve of mine when, you know, fathers kind of get brushed, you know, brushed off to the side and, and, and not, thought about as important or considered their voice isn't considered in the decision that's made too. So. Yes. That is so huge. Absolutely. I know. I think my husband has felt that a little bit too, sometimes just with any of our kids. So like, if he's someone taking them to an appointment or something, 
they're like, oh, should we call your wife about this? And he's like, nah, I'm right here. Like, you know, like, you don't have to <laughs> yeah. call her because I'm here. Uh, so yeah. yes, that's so good to remember and such an important thing to consider going forward. I love that. Yes. 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 Thank you so much, Rodney, for sharing your wisdom. I know you got little ones in the house, so I don't want to keep you out too late, but I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing with us. Just your perspective is so important. Obviously, you've got the one foot in the personal side of things and then the other, obviously, the professional. So we just we appreciate you so much. Yes. And if you don't mind, I would love to just if people are considering or thinking about being foster parents, please just call one eight 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 kid hero put yourself put yourself out there gather more information we need more and more people to step up to the plate and just be resources for children unfortunately like i said we don't always have families to to reach out to but in the sense in 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 the space where we we don't have them we want to be able to have people to reach out to so if people are really considering being foster parents don't hesitate to call and don't hesitate to sign up and, and just have the conversation, just mm-hmm. have the conversation. Love that. Such a perfect way to wrap it up. one 800 kid hero one kid hero Awesome. one kid hero Thank you so much, Rodney. Appreciate it. Thank you, Catherine. Yep. <laughs>